Hey there, you're welcome to Founders Connect, a show where I have conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and operators in Africa. This is the right show for you to be listening to if you love behind the scenes stories about people, their careers, and not your businesses. My name is Pissy Timmy, and I'm very, very, very delighted to be your host. You can follow this conversation on social media, hashtag Founders Connect. You can watch the video of each episode on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect on YouTube to find the playlist. Also, please share this podcast, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a rating, and you know, share it, hashtag Founders Connect. Enjoy the episode. Hey folks, yeah, welcome to another episode of Founders Connect. Here I have conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and operators in the African tech ecosystem. Today we're having Ayitayo, the CEO of Utiva. How you doing? I'm well. Good. <laughs> it's really good to have you here. Thank you. Good so, to see you. Same here. Okay, so I like to start my conversations with learning about the people. I mean, we're going to get to the business, but like <laughs> you first. So, like, what's your background? Where did you grow up? How was school like? What are you like? Your fondest childhood memories like any stories you can tell us basically um i think the most the most excited childhood memory i have is you know going to church every time yeah every time uh, yeah literally grew up at the church um read the bible back to back almost four times you know went for bible quiz competition <laughs> that's like the most exciting part um grew up in lagos you okay. know went to the first half of my secondary school in Nikita state my mom withdrew me, brought me back to Lagos, um, completed in Lagos, went to University of Illinois. Um, but in between, you know, secondary school and university, I taught a lot, like taught biology, chemistry, oh. physics, yeah, jam, preparing people for jam, yeah, you know, that was like the most exciting part of my teenage life. Um, university was fun, you know, I wanted to do medicine, I was dropped, so <laughs> I just abandoned the old medicine idea and the old vision for being a doctor and then I just focused on politics in school. So what did know, you study? Medical physiology eventually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was dropped from medicine, so I had to go study medical physiology. And because I wasn't excited about it, I just pivoted into doing school politics, NGOs, social programs and all those things. Yeah. Right. That was just it majorly. You know? Okay. So how how did those that that dropping from medicine sort of like affect how you ended up becoming aside the fact that you ended up like I want to do like politics and all of that stuff. Is there any other lessons or things that sort of that change sort of like change for you? Interesting. I mean so when I was dropped from medicine, um, you know, so because I grew up from the church, you know, it's like the entire congregation knew that I was going to the university to study medicine. Right. You know? And then you can imagine when the entire church raises money for you to go to school, and then you get to school hundred level, and then you're dropped. You know. And you were dropped uh, because. Um, so the school had one very creative policy of you shouldn't have more than three C's. Whoa. You know, we were not told. But the school admitted more than you know 250 watch which, which, which was the quota um we we were pretty much dropped almost like 150 of us because we, we had more than three c's and yeah so it really affected me personally mm-hmm. you know i i think for like a month i was really just stressed out you know depressed tired but i learned that i shouldn't hold on to anything really because i just felt like okay we'll still do other things yeah. right um, I didn't tell my mom until I was in 300 level. So oh, wow. I didn't go <laughs> so over yeah, at all. She didn't yeah, know. No, she didn't know. So I was just doing my thing. You know, I, I tried to create and craft, you know, excitement from other things. Mm. And that's one of the things that I have learned personally. You know, when something doesn't work, 
you can just move on to other things i mean like mm. the world is too big to just hold on to something mm. aggressively and that was like the lesson for me you know? yeah yeah and that, that's a very very good lesson actually mm. something for people to remember that mm. just because something in your life is not going well doesn't mean that you can't find it right to give you joy at that particular time makes sense so after school politics when you graduated how did your career sort of take off um yeah so left medical physiology and I never went back. I, no, I, I wanted to, you know, because I had been told by all the lecturers in the university that, oh, there are opportunities in medical physiology. But then I got out of the school, got into the job market and started struggling. You know, mm. I was looking for almost a year. I was looking for a job as a medical physiologist or anything around it. I couldn't find one. Mm. And then for someone like me from a very low income background, mm. uh, it's like the entire world People were really waiting for me to leave the university and, you know, yeah. support my younger sisters, support everyone. Um, one year I couldn't get a job as a medical physiologist and I started doing other things. Um, you know, second year I was really looking for a job, but the second year was very exciting because, you know, I was looking for a job and at the same time I was volunteering. Right. You know, so I met a couple of different mentors. Uh, many of them share the same story, you know. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. Interestingly, I met people like Benga Ogunjimi you know, who had went to the university to study something totally different and come back from the US as an Atlas Cup fellow. I was like, oh, why? Why shouldn't I do great things too, you know? Yeah. I met people like Wallace Alami, Olabi Tobi Isaiah, amazing young guys. They were really doing great things. Mm -hmm. And they are also going to the university to study microbiology, you know, those very ridiculous courses. And I just felt like, okay, you know, we'd also do other things. So yeah. I started learning project management. And that was how, you know, I started in the... I started in the semi-tech space. I wasn't really in the tech <laughs> space. I was working with a consultant company that was building products, you know, for the government and also building, you know, by by situation and default, you know, mm -hmm. for the technology companies that were, you know, around then. Right. So I wasn't, I didn't really know anything about the technology industry. I was yeah. just a project manager, you know, managing mm -hmm. people and managing processes. But I felt, it felt to me, you know, I just, I just thought about it. That's okay. It looks like, there is this industry that is exciting, that is fast rising, you know, uh, what can I do in that space? Right. So I started to watch YouTube videos and then I saw that there were no Stripe then, you know, mm. there were no, there was no, there was no Andela, there was no Paystack, no Flutterwave. Like what we had as role models were Interswitch, you know. So that, I mean, 2012, yeah. there was no technology. There was no tech space yeah, in Nigeria. It wasn't exciting. Like yeah. But what was exciting was that I had mentors that were coming back from the US, coming back from the UK. Mm. And they, they could see Brain Station, Udacity, Udemy, you know, coming up in 2012. Right. And they told me in 2012 that, you better plug yourself into the education space because, you know, there's a company in the US called Udemy. They just started. Udacity just started. You know, Brain Station. Many of those guys just started around that 2012. Mm. And I was like, okay, let's see what would happen. But there were no infrastructure to run, you know, yeah. tech, online learning. So I just had to, I was working as a project manager or product manager, if you would have it. And that was how I pretty much, you know, started. Yeah. So yeah. what was the, at what point did you then shift and got into tech really? Yeah. So I got lucky, really. For me, I got <laughs> lucky. 2015, I wanted to leave Nigeria, right? Um, but I wasn't exactly sure how. So I had applied for a program called Atlas Core in mm. the U.S. My mentor applied for the same program in 2012. So yeah. I thought, okay, Benga applied for this. I, I can just, try to, yeah. Yeah. So I tried and got selected. And they were building a technology company. So it was really luck. Mm. You know, 2012, my mentor had told me about the BrainStation, Udemy, Udacity, all of them were founded around that same time, you know. And then um, 
2015, I got into Atlas Core to move into the US, and they were also building an online learning platform. That's Atlas Core Atlas, was? Not Atlas Core, the host organization created right, right. So Atlas Core is supposed to connect me to yeah. um, an organization in the US. They had just built an e-learning platform, you know, called right. Creative U, and they were looking for a client support, you know, manager. And that was my opportunity to get into e-learning. And I was in the US, I was pretty much doing product management, but not at the high level of it. Mm -hmm. Just like client support, you know, onboarding people, making sure that people are getting value. And then I pivoted into talking to the engineers, the developers that were building the product. And then my boss told me, you know, Sarah Gawaldaita, you're doing well in this, you know, just move on and be the product manager. And that was mm. how, you know, my opportunity came. I started, you know, project managing or product managing a tech learning platform, mm. you know, and that was my opportunity to really get into that space. That's, a, that's, that's very amazing. I mean, luck is so underrated. Absolutely. You can prepare, but like mm -hmm. at some point, luck opportunity has yeah, to reach you. And yeah. of course, you have to be ready to like jump yeah. on it at that time. Yeah. So like when people look at your profile, how I got to know you is I can't remember from where, but I, what stuck was that you had done like five or so different fellowships. Mm -hmm. So after, after Atlas Core, you did another one, you did another one. Like yeah. it was like every year back to back, it was either a scholarship for masters uh -huh. or this one or this one. Absolutely. So like after Atlas Core and you became a products manager, why didn't you just focus on building that career as against mm -hmm. like going for fellowships and then building your own company? Mm -hmm. Like where did you decide, oh, you know what, I don't want to just build a career here mm -hmm. and stay in the US or come back yeah. and look for a job. I want to get more value mm -hmm. by going for these fellowships, mm -hmm. but also eventually build my own company. Yeah, so that's a very interesting, interesting one because I remember in 2016, I wanted to do an MBA. You know, I had friends that had gone to do MBAs in like top universities and then I couldn't, you know, because I didn't have the profile to get into like the top universities. Right. I was not willing to settle for anything lesser than that. Um, I mean, because it's the United States, you should, if you're in the US, you better get all the big opportunities. She gets. And then, you know, I also realized that I'd made a second class law at the university. So, and then there was no clear career path for me because mm. I just by accident got, I'd gotten into product management. Um, there was really no story, mm. you know, to tell the premium universities, you know, mm. for a scholarship. So I just, and then I saw a very big opportunity. I saw Africa was really rising, the numbers, you know, the youth population, the fact that the universities were failing and people wanted more. And I was like, this is, something's going to happen here, mm. you know. But I knew at 2015 and 16 that education was not really ready. Because what I study the US pattern, you have to fix money, fix health, and then fix education. Mm. Like, that was the pattern I saw. And then, you know, the US, just like Nigerians, we, we have a lot of things in common. Aggressive people, powerful people, you know, outgoing people. I know that people would always want more, but yeah. I wasn't exactly sure when. So I, I played the card. I just asked myself, is it the best thing to do is to move back to Nigeria and build a story, hmm. you know, build a story for yourself, run a social enterprise, run a technology company, build a story. It's going to take time, like three years, but you have to build a story. You know, the story eventually, if it sells, good for, good you. for you. If it doesn't, you know. You might have a business. You might act, of course. Yeah. So I said, I was just going to go back to Nigeria, you know, to build uh, something. Yeah. 
and use that as a way to give back. But I wasn't exactly sure. Mm -hmm. So I started HCD Center, mm -hmm. you know, which is supposed to be like a platform to help people learn undergraduates, you know. And because I was doing like social good, you know, the easiest opportunity to globalize, you know, um, the opportunities of globalize myself was to access fellowship opportunities, you know. Mm. And fellowship opportunities give you the premium privilege to really learn you know build relationship build network and most importantly for someone like myself you have to build a name and an identity for yourself mm. you know because i had none so fellowship opportunities really gave me that privilege but i knew that i still had to go back to do an mba you know mm. in one of those premium universities and i haven't done that yet <laughs> you know, i haven't uh, because the you know the mba really gives you that opportunity yeah. to break into some network yeah. i mean high level network in a society where nobody really wants to like hand over things to you because there are too many smart people in Nigeria. Mm. Too many. Like everyone is so smart, doing great things. And you better be super smart, like extremely smart to to get out, you know, in this country where if you if you if you check how many fintech companies do we have now? Like how many edtechs, how many health technology companies yeah. for doing things. So I, I didn't have that privilege to be a part of that network. So I had to just go look for fellowship programs to increase your that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So I mean, when you started, like you said, it was still very nascent at that time, even at mm -hmm. 2015. What are some of the challenges that you faced then building the social enterprise and business? Um, I think that um, the first challenge, when you compare to other industries, right, the first challenge that we experience, you know, I'm going to pluralize this because I'm not the only one facing this is the fact that they, we don't have the infrastructure and the institutional support to help accelerate you know education mm. you know if you're combining education with technology it's like the education itself is collapsed already so bringing technology into it doesn't fix it mm. you know you need to have education itself and then technology helps to fast track or accelerate it. So it's like you're bringing technology into something that doesn't exist. You know, you still have to build that substance itself. And yeah. the reason the FinTech is really doing well is because, you know, the banking industry has really done so much. Mm -hmm. You know, there's BVN, that's where you can build an API. <laughs> if there was no BVN, you would have to go and do BVN from the beginning. Yeah. And education, like there are no schools, there are no trainers, like mm. universities are not ready to partner. And those are like the initial challenges that I face. Like we literally spent two years of our life as Utiva trying to hack into the universities. Right. Like moving from one school to another school, trying to get these universities to be excited about what we do. None. Wow. The university, I mean, they'll tell you right to the vice chancellor. And then you come back after one month, it's still with the secretary to the vice chancellor. <laughs> like that system, it's so difficult to break into. And I can give you like number of super brilliant young guys that I've tried to break that space, yeah. but it's just very bureaucratic. So that, those were like the initial challenges that we experienced. And if you couldn't do that, how do you raise money? Mm. Uh, and because that space doesn't exist, the, techno the education space doesn't really exist mm -hmm. uh, in terms of being led by young people and all that, it was also very difficult to find talent. Mm. You know, where do you find them from? Do you go, you know, power poach someone from FinTech to join education? Like what education? Like why should I leave um, you know, a fast rising pay stack to join an education startup. Like yeah. why? Because nothing existed in that space. But thanks to Andela, you know, 
when Andela came, they just literally just broke that space. Yeah. And they didn't stay within the walls of education. And I was so super lucky. Mm. Because How so? They, because Andela started in 2016. And that was the time I was in the US for my fellowship program. Which of so, the fellowships? Atlas Core. Right. So I was building Creative U, and then I saw Andela in Nigeria. It's like, that's my own country. This guy just raised $2 million. Wow, education is possible now. And that was like an opportunity for me to say, you know, I'm going to go plug myself into that space. Mm. And I'm really grateful for the things that Andela did. Because if Andela had not done that, <laughs> you know, Andela just created an atmosphere to help scale, yeah, you know, the opportunity right. to learn yeah. tech skills. Yeah. And I found that, you know, as an opportunity, you know, for, yeah. for the work that we do here. Amazing. So tell us how Utiva has evolved over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I, I know that when I first um, learned about Utiva, it was mostly just data science course you were doing. Absolutely. But now you, you guys are doing like different. So in what different ways has the company evolved? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we started, we started with undergraduates in the universities. As I mentioned, we wanted to train undergrad, help them prepare for the future of work. Uh, we called them. Um, then we decided to, I sat down one morning, you know, with my team and said, we are going to stop this undergraduate thing. And then we're just going to build a learning platform for Africans to access tech skill training. Um, in 2017, you better not mention to people to come learn online because, you know, there were physical training opportunities yeah. for them, you know, NIT and all those guys were there. So we started with physical training. We're mm -hmm. doing physical training, data science, you know, flooding the whole of Yaba. But why did know. you start with data science? Um, so we're really looking for. I think it was the market, you know, if you ask me, I think it was the market. Um, there are two different markets, markets, right? The first market, young people that are looking to tech, learn tech skills to get into job opportunities. The business model around that is quite very complicated mm. because they don't have the personal, you know, financial capability to fund the learning. You know, we're talking about training you, training you in software development for six months. Who pays mm. for it? Yeah. You know. And then there was another market of people who actually had money. You know, maybe not a lot of it. People that were earning eighty thousand, ninety thousand. They wanted to learn, you know, more skills to improve the work that they do and then learn another tech skill to get into a job market. Mm. And because there was no access to funding for us, we had to focus on the markets that had the power to pay. Right. So we're really looking for, you know, purchasing power. Mm. You know, market with the purchasing power. And that's a, that was a very tough decision because there was a market we're ignoring. Yeah. Um, but data science gave, you know, data science is such a skill that when you have it, you can deploy into whatever you do right now. Because yeah. every organization needs to Knitted, make more yeah. data-centric you know, decisions. Yeah. And then we flood the entire market. You know, we literally trained almost like 5,000 people. Wow. You know, data science, data analytics here and And all there. physical trainings at that time? Uh, we're doing like physical training, I would say about 2,000, 3,000 physical training. Mm and then COVID happened, mm. you know, yeah. But before COVID, we saw another market, which is the product management market. So we're pretty much like a team that we're trying to just unveil new opportunities. So what new skills do we need to push out there? You know, what new skill training do we need to push out there to get young people and more people to learn um, so that they can access the technology industry, right? Yeah. Data science and then with the product management. And COVID happened in 2020. And that was an opportunity for us to really scale. Mm. And we're doing data science training online, product management training online, you know, um, design. We, we launched our design school. 
we launched our AI school. We thought that AI school was going to be exciting. <laughs> and then we had just 40 people and then 20 and then 10, wow. you know. So we had to like pause the AI school. We launched the cloud program. We launched, um, we launched a couple of different learning programs. And, and also within those programs, we've also created new markets. You know, mm. for example, we launched our data science fellowship program for Africans abroad. Mm. You know, that once you, so we also realized that Africans were moving outside yeah. and they were looking for something to prepare them for the opportunities out there. So we've just evolved to become a one-stop shop, you know, mm. for everything. For everything tech skills. Yeah. Amazing. What would you say is the, your biggest win so far? Um, that's a couple of different things. I think that for the organization, you mean, right? Both. I mean, for the organization, I would say the kind of team that we've had. You know, the type of persons that have come all this way to build, you know, Utiva, super brilliant executors, you know, came at a very early stage. And then we had this very brilliant, you know, thinkers, you know, also joined the team. Right now, it is quite very exciting because we're trying to create a more internal team balance, yeah. executors and thinkers, you know. Uh, but the team has been the, the biggest win. You know, I also cascade that to the faculty. I think that's the fact that people are happy to rally. You know, it takes a village to yeah. to be able to raise a child. So people are happy to rally around what you're doing and support it and get it out there. I think that's the biggest win. Uh, personally, for me, I still think that my biggest win is the UK Global Talent. You know, I Why? honestly still think um, it just gives you this. I feel that it's easy to run a company when you have a backup plan. Mm. You know, I, I just kind of feel that it's easy. Uh, I, th I think most entrepreneurs will not say it out. You know, everybody just want to sound like, oh, I love Nigeria. I, love it. I mean, yeah. Nigeria loves us too, right? <laughs> um, but there's this calmness that I have in the inside of me. No. That I, just knowing that, okay, if you guys do anyhow, now carry my passport and just go to London and stay another three months and I'll come back, you know. It just gives me that that ability to really innovate. Yeah. You know, nothing terrifies me here, honestly. Hmm. Unlike some one year ago that I'm always checking the bank accounts. How much do we have now? Can we pay salaries? How, can we pay this rent? Can we do this? I mean, if we can't pay now, then I'll go back to London and go and pay. <laughs> <laughs> that's just it. That's just pretty much the way I think about it. I don't think, I don't think I'm under that pressure. pressure. You know? So just yeah. knowing that you have a solid backup plan. Absolutely. Yeah. And then for your family too. Because I mean, family plays a lot of pressure on you. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when you are now married and you see that people are saying, hey, Nigeria is terrible, Nigeria is this, Nigeria is that. You're like, oh, you people leave now, go and stay in London and then go and stay in the UK. And I'm here building. Yeah. So that's the biggest win for me. Um, on the other side, the biggest win for the company is the team. The team yeah. is just exciting. You know, amazing guys. Amazing. I mean, some of the things I have picked um, at, at the very beginning, you just talked about when you got disappointed from med school, mm -hmm. when you got disappointed because you left med school and just finding other ways to mm -hmm. find joy. And, and then you talked about creating a story. And I think that's like also a very powerful message. Absolutely. Because for people that, like it's, it, and it's very centered for people that are coming from low-income backgrounds Absolutely. to know that, hey, yeah. are, whether we like it or not, where we are coming from has mm -hmm. a huge role to play in the kind of access that we have. And so if you're going to then 
break these boundaries that you were born with mm-hmm. you have to like, literally do more Absolutely. and creating for yourself yeah. your story gives you access to much more opportunities I, I think that's a very powerful one and also just talking about like making finding a team and having a backup plan mm-hmm. but aside these things that you've mentioned in your story what are other very key lessons that you've learned along the way or things that are like guiding principles for your journey um hmm. I think I, I will share from a much more industry perspective, right? Um, it's, it's picking your struggle as an entrepreneur. You really need to be ready to pick your struggle. I think that the entrepreneurial landscape is kind of divided into multiple facets. You know, there are guys that are layering on what others have built, you know. Um, or there's a banking industry that is thriving and then the fintech comes and build on it. There was an inter-switch that had built the cards you know, there was a MasterCard, you know, yeah. there was a Verve card. So if you start a paystack, you know, you layer on what those guys have done and then you can move faster, you can accelerate. Mm. Um, so for an entrepreneur, I, I think that you really need to understand that whatever you do, you know, there is, you're going to pay your dues, mm. you know. So if you are the interswitch, you know, you need to know that there's going to be another paystack, flutter wave that will fast track the industry, yeah. so you need to be ready. Yeah. Uh, for someone that is in the education space, education in or tech learning, you know, in in this part of the world is still very, very young at its very early stage. Most people try and like run away from that space yet because some people need to like pay their dues. Yeah. You know. But if you come in the next 10 years into the space, you still pay your dues, right? You can imagine some Eight years ago, I'm sure there were not many Nigerians that were watching YouTube, mm-hmm. right? And today, people are watching YouTube, and you're doing content on YouTube, and there's a TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, if you pivot to TikTok, there's going to be another thing. You know, so for me, it's always preparing for the second round of the opportunity, the second round of the challenge, and that's the way I see you know building. Mm-hmm. You know, if you build your TV to a point. You need to know for certain that with all the struggles, some guys are going to wake up in the next two, three years. They'll build some crazy stuff. Yeah. You know, and they'll disrupt the whole space. Yeah. And if you're not ready for that disruption, you know, you'll become that traditional company that provides advisory. You know, and they will, <laughs> they will do all those great work and move faster than you. And that's one of the things that I constantly remind myself, you know. So on the side, I'm building like two other companies, you know preparing for the future you know maybe they're going to become products or become companies we just have to know that something is going to happen in the future because something happened in 2016 when i wanted to come into the space that when nobody except you uni- except uh, maybe university and also andela mm. you know and this space has evolved yeah, so much a lot more now. you know so i need to always prepare for that evolution and then the second thing is that for me, it's always about you. That's one of the things I've never, I, I found, I learned that quite very late. That as an entrepreneur, it's, we always think it's about the business, about the company. Yeah. But you need to remember that you need to, you need to be all right. Mm. You know, with all the pressure, all the, you know, the things you experience as an entrepreneur, the saner you are, the more innovative you become. Mm. You know, if you let that pressure get on, get the best of you, you know, you will find it difficult, exactly. Entry. So many times I try to like make sure that I'm taking care of myself the way I want, 
I'm making sure that I'm taking so many time off work, resting, relaxing, and getting back to the business to like do a lot of things at the same time. Uh, the third one for me is what you talked about. For people that really come from very low income background, um, it's trying your best to get out of that space, you know, because um, there is a bigger space, you know, there's a bigger space. I would never imagine that, you know, you would have 150 million in your account. There were no role models for those kind of things where I came from, you know. You even had to dream it. To even dream it was difficult. I mean, the biggest dream I had when I was a young person was some people stealing, you know, some thieves coming to one rich man's house, then taking one big and I must go of money and police pursuing them and they just dump it in my... That was the biggest, you know, the biggest dream we had. That was what success looked like then. It has to be, like has to be a miracle. Yeah. There was no way we could have imagined that we would ever have, like, run a business that would do a hundred million, two hundred million. Where? So the the earlier you get out of that box and just go find a way to connect with people that are already experiencing that reality. The better it is for you, you know. So one of the things I did for myself was getting into those fellowship programs. You know, those fellowship programs exposed me. I wasn't part of. I was part of many conversations where people were talking about big things. I didn't have them, but I hear, but I heard them. And faith honestly comes by hearing, you know. So I heard many of those things multiple times. I met many mentors that really, you know, talked about success, like real success. And then I started believing it. You know, it took me seven years to apply for a master's. You know, because I never imagined, you know, where, how, that one government will fund my master's program. Never imagined. Whoa, nobody had done anything. Where I came from, no one. So, and I know that many Africans, you know, really struggle with, you know, dreaming. Because most times there are no templates and benchmarks. But the easiest thing you can do is to get out, you know, connect with mentors, connect with, build new ecosystems or hack ecosystems. Join networks where people are talking about successes and big things, and you start to believe them, mm. and then you replicate whatever you believe, and that's like one of the things. So right now, I still believe that there are bigger games, perhaps like bigger games, and then there are no templates. So, but you need to connect with people that have done it, so that you can you can hear, you can hear it, and exactly. then replicate that success, and that's what I'm doing right now. Like talking to almost all the founders in the education space in the US. Like, meetings upon meetings, just listening to them. Hear them, 10 minutes conversation, how did you do it? What are you doing? You know, people are sharing, people are connecting me and I'm intentional about it. The reason I'm doing this with you is because where I come from, no one had raised $10 million in education. Thanks to you, Leslie. You know, because you Leslie doesn't know what he's doing. That guy has helped the next two generations of tech entrepreneurs in the education space mm. because it's now showing that it's possible and that's you know that's the beauty and that's one of the things I am doing right now like connecting with many people learning hearing and believing the success amazing I mean now right when you apply for fellowships and scholarships or mm-hmm. an MBA I mean I can 
imagine that it's a lot easier because now there's a story, mm-hmm. there's proof, there's structure. Absolutely. Um, but for people who do not have a story yet, um, who do not know that I can qualify for this mm-hmm. scholarship, what are some tips that you can offer to people who are like, I would like to, but I don't know how to start. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, where to find them. Yeah. I don't know how to position myself as a beginner. Mm-hmm. Like what, based on your experience, do you mm-hmm. like a lot of them? Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I, when I started to, I was very confused. I mean, uh, where do you start from and all the stuff? But I did just three things. Start, you know, build something, you know, build something. Even if it's just a very small startup, small organization, or volunteer, or be a part of something big. Uh, just make sure that you're a part of or you're building something. Yeah. That's the first thing to do. The second thing to do is to mimic or mirror stories you know, mirror stories. Research many of the people that you call mentors and role model and see how these guys tell their stories. You know, the best you will give to yourself is to say, hey, I'm not here yet, but at least this is how this guy tells a story. And then you can mirror it. So for example, if Itayo says, oh, I am building a technology startup that helps to disrupt learning in Africa, I mean, you can say, I'm building a technology startup that helps young people to, to learn in Africa. You can mirror stories, because we all mirror, mm-hmm. right? I mirror so many great guys. I mirror Udacity, I mirror BrainStation, I mirror uh, Habwab. Mirror great guys that are doing great things. So you can also mirror, you know. Um, the third one would be to apply. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to. Many times, you underrate. I don't know if that's the word. You know, the capacity of the work that you have done, mm. um, and because you're the one doing it, and it's part of human nature. We're like fire. We always want to consume more. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay if you want to consume more. Try to apply. You know, and tell your story. Put out. I mean, I applied for. I've applied for many fellowship programs that have been rejected, mm. and many of them. You know, I've been accepted. And most times that I'm accepted, um, it's just a game of luck. Mm. You know, I put out my best foot, try my best, submit, and expect. Mm. You know, and many times, some some of them I really think, oh, this one I've got it. And then they never come back. back And some of them I just give up and then they come back. So you need to apply. You need to put yourself out there. Like, just throw yourself out there. Even when I applied for my UK Global Talent, you know, I wasn't sure. Yeah. You know, I wasn't sure. I just, I, I saw my recommendations were okay, I've done stuff, but the YouTube, I watched the videos of guys that were selected now, and I was intimidated. I said, oh, this guy is going to pick one guy from Nigeria that has never done much, you know. And then I was given a five year, and I was like, oh yeah, this is good. You know, so you should always like put yourself out there, just apply for big things, and you're not the one reviewing the application, so it's someone, it's the story that you tell. Mm. You know, there's a lot more in terms of storytelling, but I always feel that Africans, we all have stories. It's like we all have one bad thing that has happened to us. And <laughs> that then, can literally always be We've all been, you know, if you, if you apply and you tell the story of what hurts you or what hurts things that you see around you, and keep it very simple because the guys that are reviewing are probably guys that have never seen your reality, um, you would access some opportunities. But if you're rejected, keep applying. Yeah, and that's amazing. And I think as we're going to end, and if I would just recap the last thing that you said, it's start something. It mm-hmm. could be your own business. It could Absolutely. be volunteering. It could be join something big. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a level of capacity, and that comes by literally giving yourself mm-hmm. these opportunities. Um, and then the the second one, 
I think I, I, I missed mm-hmm. that. So the second one is to mirror. Yes, to mirror, exactly. That's so mirror great stories, right? Mm-hmm. Find people who are doing things that you would like to do and basically just mirror them, more or less duplicate. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, and I get the sense or what I understand from mirroring is that if you can mirror at the beginning, mm-hmm. but by the time you begin to do and apply, you begin to want to understand your own self better. Absolutely. And so you can then craft your own original Absolutely. story after some time. And of course, apply. I always tell people that every application is a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Whether you're looking for a job, yeah. the, more, the more jobs you apply for, the higher yeah. chance that you'll get Absolutely. a good one. The more fellowships you apply for, the higher chance mm-hmm. that you'll get some more. So apply, apply, apply. Any final words? Uh, no, apply is the final apply word. Apply is the final yeah, word. Yeah, just go out and do do your thing, apply. Um, I think that the health is still the lot. Mm. You know, there's a lot to get out of this world and you'll be shocked where, where the kind of opportunities that you access. But just keep pushing yourself out there. Amazing, amazing. Just keep putting yourself out there, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast to the end. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I hope that you have been inspired or motivated to get better in your careers, in your businesses, in your life. I hope you, you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you subscribe to the videos on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect and you'll find the playlist and then subscribe to the channel. Also, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Leave a rating also so more people can find it and also talk about the episode that you listen to. Hashtag Founders Connect across social media. Hey, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.